doing today, guys? We're back here live in the studio once again for that episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today, December 3rd, 2019. It's a Tuesday. We're just off rivalry weekend in college football. It's time for conference championship Saturday. I am joined once again by none other than Austin Clark. Austin, say what's up to the people. What's up, people? Thanks for having me, Thomas. Uh, This is always a pleasure for me to do, and after an exciting um, NFL rivalry week, uh, I feel like I got a lot on my mind. I'm ready, ready, ready to discuss it. Yeah, you know, it was a. There's nothing like rivalry Saturday, you know, and honestly, rivalry weekend in general in college football. You know, we saw Virginia finally beat Virginia Tech after losing to him, I believe it was 15 times in a row. So, you know, it's just, it's funny, honestly, when you have rivalries that have been so one-sided like that to finally see a team come through. I know for a long time, too, we saw where Georgia Tech could never beat Georgia, and they finally did. But, I mean, Georgia Tech looks like they might not ever beat Georgia again the way things are going. <laughs> but, obviously, everyone knows what the biggest game was of rivalry Saturday. It was Auburn versus Alabama. And, you know, Malzahn's name kind of going into this game was, you know, and even going into this season was if the season turns south quick, Malzahn could be out of there. I mean, do you think he deserves more credit for what he's done at Auburn? And, you know, he's for him beating Alabama as many times as he has. Do you think he deserves more credit? And do you think he should be up there as one of the better uh, coaches in college football? Yeah, I I think it's definitely an interesting take to have. And it's definitely something worth, worth discussing. I remember heading into week one when uh, Auburn Auburn played uh, Oregon. I believe it, it was in in Jerry World, um, and I I I took uh, I mean I took Oregon on the spread, and I just remember thinking Same. there's no no way that Auburn uh, with a with a true freshman quarterback uh, wins this game in, in such a on a on such a big stage, but in in the all it took was a couple of seconds and. We've seen time and time again, all it takes for Auburn is just a couple of seconds to have a big play, and uh, they they win ball games. And you know, we, um, I did not think that Auburn was going to have the season that they've had. Um, it, now, to the defense of Alabama, that you know they had they had two Atunga Vailoa hurt. You know, they had guys on offense and defense that that were not right. You know, I think that. In my personal opinion, you know Auburn got some free points right there at the end of the end of the first half. He had a pick six that went off the the back numbers of another guy, and so you know it, it was a, honestly a really tough game for me um, to watch. There was so much dysfunction and so much opportunity, and at the end of the day, Auburn Auburn took advantage of all the opportunities that were in front of them and. Alabama didn't necessarily do that, and and you got to give Gus Malzahn credit. He he had a big stage at home, and you know one of the biggest rivalries in college football, and he took care of business. He's and he's done it. This isn't like the first time he's done it. He's done it, you know, several times before. Um, and I think I, I think I heard a crazy statistic today when when Auburn uh, has. Uh, two or less losses heading into the Iron Bowl, they've they've won the past three games. So it just tells you, you know, o- over the past couple of years, Gus Malzahn has, you know, made the the Auburn brand, the Auburn football name, um, something that is competing with, you know, top programs like Alabama. 
Yeah, you know, I'll, one thing I will say about that stadium, though, in general, Jordan here, I swear some of the craziest voodoo stuff happens there. You know, like the missed kick, the interceptions that we had this game. I mean, we've seen Auburn catch some crazy breaks there. And, you know, that's just college football, man. When you play in front of another team's crowd on the road, anything can happen. But I absolutely agree with you with Malzahn. You know, I think he's one of the better offensive minds in college football. You know, he built that great offense around cam newton when he was there and took auburn to probably the highest one of the highest points this program's ever been to you know when he's offensive coordinator um sec wise he might only have you know one championship i mean he did win the sun belt in his only year that he was that he was away from auburn with arkansas state i think malzahn's being undervalued you know he's definitely got some of the hardware as a coach and it's tough man to beat nick saban you don't see nick saban go down too often in the regular season the fact that he's beaten him the last two times that they've played there, you know, that's absolutely crazy to me. Um, I really think that Malzahn, you know, I thought it would have been a mistake by Auburn, honestly, to fire him. I, you know, I heard his name linked to Florida State. I heard if he lost that game, he's out and he's probably coming to Tallahassee, which I would have been perfectly fine with. You know, nine and three with true freshman quarterbacks, not that bad when you play as hard of a schedule as the Auburn Tigers do. You know, the thing about Auburn that people don't realize is they're so. Their rival that they're playing over in the SEC East every single year is Georgia. I mean, Georgia's been pretty good over the years. So, I mean, you got to play Georgia, you got to play Alabama, you got to play LSU. You know, that's one of the harder schedules there are in college football. And I don't think you're getting enough credit for doing what they've done with that hard schedule. And, you know, Auburn, too,'s never been a team to back down from the big, you know, from the big playing a big conference team. They played Washington last year, they played Oregon this year, like you said. And I think he's done a great job for what he has in a freshman quarterback in Bo Nix. And, you know, they have a great defense here. And I think if Nix continues to grow as a quarterback, this team can keep on getting better. But, no, I think Malzahn deserves a lot of respect. You know, beating Nick Saban is not easy at all. I mean, we've seen Dabo pretty much be one of the only guys that's been able to do it over the last few years. Obviously, Coach O is finally able to do it as well. But, you know, there's so few coaches that have beaten Nick Saban. I don't really count, by the way, those bowl game losses because, you know, that's at the point where – you know, nobody really cares at that point once you're in those bowl. Once you're, in, if you get get knocked, you know, if you're if you're in the final four all season long, you get knocked out and you don't get to go to the national championship. You know, at the end of the day, you don't really care about that bowl game. But you no, know, it's 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 almost it's next to almost impossible to do what he did. I mean, we've seen Nick Saban run through college football. And I think he deserves a lot more credit for doing that. Absolutely, and you bring up a great point. You have to play it. You know, at least two of the at least two really hard games this season you gotta play georgia you gotta play alabama and you know if you're not uh at the at the best of your game you're pretty much guaranteed two losses if you you know you, you don't have the proper players and you know preparation for those games so great point yeah you know any coach who can you know successfully go you know, he usually goes eight and I'm not counting the bowl game. He goes, you know, eight and four. He's able to get to SEC championship. You know, that's impressive to be able to go through the SEC like that. I mean, there's so many teams we've seen with, with a lot of talent, never do anything in the SEC. So, you know, the fact, especially you can play in the SEC West and get back there is very underrated. Um, I mean, what do you, I know the final four came out. I didn't, I didn't uh, see the fine, like every single team, but I know it's pretty much the exact same thing as we had last time. I mean, what did you think about uh, today's Final Four, and did you think anything should be changed? Uh, I think I think they, they pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I believe we have LSU at one, Clemson at two, Georgia at three, and Utah at four. And so, of course, we have the SEC Championship this weekend, which will be the matchup between Georgia and LSU, which will pretty much decide um, Georgia's fate. 
uh, I think even if LSU loses this game, they've pretty much secured and locked in their position in the playoffs. Um, uh, Georgia, however, it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, I, I think if Georgia, I think Georgia will keep that game competitive. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes things up if Georgia does win. So let's let's just play around with uh, with um, fantasy world, I guess we can say, because a lot of people don't see Georgia winning. But Thomas, if Georgia does win on Saturday, what do you think that Final Four picture looks like? So I think if Georgia is able to win, I think we still see Ohio State at one. We'll see Georgia slide up to the uh, – we'll see L- or Clemson slide to the two spot. We'll see Georgia at three. I think Georgia and Clemson are there. They could be pretty much interchangeable at this point at between two and three. And I think you see LSU drop back to number four. I mean, LSU, in my opinion, I mean, they probably have the most impressive win of anyone going into Bama and beating them with Tua, you know, at quarterback. I think that's probably the most impressive win that any team has on their resume. I think one loss here for LSU doesn't completely do them in. Um I think that – so pretty pretty much I think it's the, either the SEC gets two teams in if Georgia wins. Now, if Georgia were to lose, I think we see Georgia fall out of there. And I think it, obviously Utah – I mean, Utah is ranked number five for a reason. Utah handles business against Oregon. You see them go in there. If Utah doesn't, then obviously it's Oklahoma. Then at that point, if Oklahoma doesn't handle business, I think Baylor slides in. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting because – First of all, I want I want to go ahead and say this is that the thing that I hate about the college football playoff committee is that it seems like it's a competition for who has the best record. And that's not what my perception of the college playoff committee was to be. My perception of it was the best four teams get in. And if we're talking the best four teams record-wise, then I think you're probably pretty close to being right, if not exactly right. But if we're talking teams that deserve to be in, I don't think that Utah deserves to be in, whether they win um, their conference championship against Oregon or not. I think Oregon's one of the best teams in the country. Don't get me wrong. I think it'd be an impressive win. However, I don't I don't even think that Oregon's necessarily going to care about that game. So if they don't even care about the game, then is it really, you know, a quality win? And second of all, I don't think that game's supposed to be primetime New Year's Day. Is anyone, do you really want to watch Utah play Ohio State demolished on New Year's Day? Like, that just sounds like a waste of an hour and a half of my time. I'd much rather have <laughs> Oklahoma or, hell, I know it sounds fucking crazy, but give me, give me Alabama, you know? I'd much rather see that matchup than see just about anybody play Utah. Well, honestly, you know, Utah did play a very weak out-of-conference schedule. They played at BYU, and then they played NIU, then they played Idaho State. So I definitely agree with you in that sense that, I mean, they didn't really schedule anyone, and they haven't really been tested. I mean, if you look at their Pac-12 schedule, I mean, they played one ranked opponent I see on this entire schedule, and that was Arizona State. Arizona State's record, though, doesn't look as good on paper because Jaden Daniels was hurt for a few games. They're stud freshman quarterback. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to say this. I did pick Utah before the season started to win their conference, and I didn't pick them in the in the Final Four. I actually had Georgia 
Um, I had Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. So obviously, you know, I got the Ohio. But um, anyway, Utah is a great defense. They call it Sack Lake City. You know, Salt Lake City kind of a little joke there. But um, mm-hmm. I, I think that Utah, I mean, in the Pac-12, look, the way I look at it is you have to put Utah in this game if they win. I think you can't just keep on excluding an entire, you know, time zone basically you're excluding the entire specific time zone look you got to look at oklahoma this way and say oklahoma you've had your chance you've been in the playoff like what is it three yeah three years in a row now and you haven't been able to win a game i think it's time to move on from oklahoma and give someone else a shot and to be honest that's the thing though is who's who's gonna watch who's gonna watch it like i don't even think utah fans if you have every single student that went to the university of utah watch the game it's and all their fans, it still wouldn't be anywhere close to the numbers of Oklahoma viewers. And if you're thinking about profitability and, you know, I, I would think that the NCAA thinks somewhat about profitability that you can't be taking a team like Utah. If you can take a team like Oklahoma, I don't know. I think it'll be really, really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, those, if it was a team like UCLA or somebody that, you know, the West Coast, like, you know, USC, USC, or maybe even Oregon, you know, someone that the West Coast just raves over, then, yeah, I can I can see maybe them getting in on, on a Pac-12 championship bid. But Utah, I think that's going to be a little bit difficult. It's almost like a, it's sad, but it's almost like a political game. Yeah, you know, and I think there is one thing definitely and I call into question with the college football playoff. Is there's really no criteria for them picking, you know, what the final four is. At the end of the day, it's pretty much whatever they want to do, you know. They can – like there's really no set criteria, you know. Like we've seen them exclude teams. We've seen them include teams, you know, in crazy ways. Like I remember Baylor got snubbed that one year. We've seen Ohio State get snubbed, you know. We've seen so many teams get snubbed th- with throughout the years. And, you know, I think that I think no matter what they're going to just like I think if Ohio State gets upset by Wisconsin, I think Ohio State's still in as well. You know, I don't I don't see them leaving them out here. Um, I'll be honest with you. I just I think Utah is better than Oklahoma. I think if both those two teams played, I think Utah would beat Oklahoma. I think that Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss are definitely a little slept on duo. You got I mean, Huntley's a great runner. Zach Moss is, too. I would, you know, I honestly disagree with you a little bit on that point of that Ohio State would destroy Utah. I think Utah can play with them a little bit. They have a really good defense and a good run game. I'm not saying they'd win, but I think that they could keep the game close, and I think it'd be a decent game to watch. You know, I I think the Utes have a good football team, but, you know, I definitely agree with you from a profitability standpoint that I don't know if it'd be that great for them. But at the same time, you got to think, you know, the Pac-12 gets that team in there. There is conference pride, you know, and I think that that could definitely – Hook in some more some more viewers there. Um, let's say worst case scenario here: if Clemson, LSU, and Ohio State all go down, do you think all three of them would still be included in there? I can't see Clemson uh, remaining to be included in that bunch. Um, I know Dabo probably made a good point uh, this past Saturday by saying, you know, we just beat a South Carolina team, and if we would have lost, we probably would have you know, jump 15 spots, but Georgia loses to them and they only jump like five or six or something like that. And I get that. But when it comes to strength of schedule and playing in the SEC versus playing in the ACC, there's a big gap there. And so if you have a one-point victory to um, North Carolina and you lose in the conference championship to Virginia, 
I can't see the committee uh, keeping keeping Clemson in there. Um, with Ohio State, they've dominated teams by so much over the course of the season, and um, it really leaves leaves no question to me that even even if they were to lose to um, a Wisconsin team with a with not necessarily a Heisman candidate, but but a Heisman level running back in Jonathan Taylor, then you know. I still see Ohio State and LSU um, in the playoffs, even even with the loss on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I agree with you there that I think that I think those teams would. And you know, I I think Clemson. That's really their only slip up, in my opinion, of the entire season. It was against North Carolina, and I think that they're being thrown in the trash and underrated from that one loss. I mean, realistically, Texas A&M got a backdoor cover on a six-minute drive to finish out the game where they used all their timeouts. You know, basically because you know all the boosters, how big of a program Texas A&M. They all got money riding on it, so they at least want that cover so they can make back the money they wasted on that losing on that ticket to go watch their team lose. But Clemson's still nine and three against the spread, which is very impressive, which means that, you know, that means they're exceeding expectations. The spread is the expectation. And if you're covering, that means you're exceeding the expectation. And that's what Clemson's done this year. Look, I think that Clemson actually, I'm going to save how I feel about Clemson for the, the weekend podcast. So let's put it this way. I'm, I'm riding pretty high on the Tigers rolling in here into the uh, college football playoff. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be fun to see how everything plays out, what ends up happening at the end of the day. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm definitely hoping the dogs are able to pull this thing out. I would rather see two SEC teams in there than see Utah or Baylor or Oklahoma slip in there, you know. And I'm not even sold, honestly, that Utah is going to be able to handle Oregon. I still think Oregon's got something left in the tank. But even though they haven't looked impressive lately, you know, there's, there's, some, there's always something crazy that happens in college football. You know, I wouldn't put anything past happening on this given Saturday, but let's keep things moving here and let's switch over to the NFL here. Um, actually, wait, wait, wait. We got one more college football at the top that we got to discuss before we go to the NFL. And so Jim Harbaugh, he's still yet to beat Ohio State in his career. Um, was it Michigan? Uh, do you think look, Do you think that Michigan should move on from Harbaugh? Do you think they should keep him? Do you think he's doing a bad job? What are you thinking here, Austin? <sighs> It, it, it's being talked about a lot over, over the broadcast and over the radio waves right now. Um, and this is just my, my opinion. Um, it's all about perspective. And what I believe the true perspective is, is that Jim Harborough is, is a brand name coach. And if you look at the University of Michigan, University of Michigan – um, wants to be brand name. They have brand. They have the big house. They have one of the biggest fan bases in all of college football, really in, in all, all of college sports. Um, you know, they're, they're competitive across the board, whether it be basketball or football or whatever big sport there is. And having a coach like Jim Harborough, especially from like a recruiting standpoint, it bring, brings in more players. It, you know, it, it's almost it sounds kind of stupid to say, but it's almost like a clout move by by Michigan to bring him on. What you have to understand and the perspective that you have to take is that Jim Harborough is a great coach and he took a good team to being a great team. But a great team is not going to beat an elite team in Ohio State. And if you can accept that, then, you know, He's probably one of the better coaches in the country, just even though he can't beat 
an elite team. Um, he's he's not an elite coach because he can't. We we've seen through his record that he, given given ample opportunity, he can't beat an elite team with the players that he has recruited. Like it's one thing to lose to Ohio State like the first year, or second year that you take over the job, but like this is like the fourth year. It's like these are the guys that you you handpicked to be able to compete against this uh, you know elite team and and you're it's not not doing the job. I'm not saying that it's the players or it's the coaching or whatever, but it's just whatever they're doing, it's not getting them over the hump. And uh, I think if you can kind of accept that as a Michigan fan, then you're in a pretty good spot. Um, but if I'm a Michigan fan, I'm I'm asking myself, what do we need to do to get over that hump? And I don't think that the answer is necessarily in changing uh, a head coaching position at that particular that particular school that might be hiring a new offensive coordinator hiring a new defensive coordinator you know i don't know to just do something to bring the illusion of change without actually having to replace the head coach at michigan that's just my two cents on it yeah you know i agree with you i think he's done a great job there you know michigan as a program had kind of fallen off a little bit before they brought harbaugh in there um, I think he's done a good job at, at Michigan, and you know he's not really getting the same recruits that Ohio State's getting in general. You know, like Ohio State's getting so much better recruits. I mean, Ohio's a hotbed for college football talent. You know, and it, it's pretty much like Ohio, the South. You know, Florida, California. Those are where you're finding the best recruits. And the fact that Harbaugh is pulling out of Michigan, you know, for recruits, I think he's doing good. I mean. Michigan needs to accept the fact, you know, they're a 10-2 and two team. They're always going to be the little brother to Ohio State. You know, that'd be like Auburn or Georgia, you know, firing their coach because they can't beat Alabama, even though, you know, they have been, or LSU. You know, at the end of the day, you got to accept you're probably only going to be able to beat them once out of every few times. I mean, they're just an elite program like that, you know. So I personally think it's stupid and foolish, and, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Harbaugh you know, say, screw this, I'm not taking this anymore, and leaves to go to the Cowboys. You know, I think the Cowboys, that's job's going to be open. I think that's the most appealing coaching job in all of football is to go to the Cowboys right now and take over. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Harbaugh said, screw this, you know, I'm going back to the NFL. And you know, we saw what he could do in the NFL. Imagine what he could come in there and do with a roster like Dallas. I think maybe you might be over-fantasizing, Thomas, but uh, I think that he is a great coach. I just don't think that uh, I don't think he's leaving Michigan anytime soon. I think he's got at least another year. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he were to stick. I mean, you know, I think at the end of the day he will stick around, but I think it'd be absolutely foolish for Michigan to fire him. I mean, they also got to ask this question: Who are they going to get that's better than him to replace him? You know, I don't see anybody out on the coaching market exactly. that can get better than him. Exactly. I think that that's a great point. And from a brand perspective, when it comes to a name like Michigan, you better have uh, a coach that that is that big and that popular. You know, it's there's not really any coaches like that on the market right now that could accept a job other than Urban Meyer. And I'm pretty sure he would be burned at the stake and it's not they wouldn't even offer him the job kind of situation, you know. Yeah, I don't even think Urban Meyer would be interested in that job. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even see that happening. You know, I don't, I don't even know why. Uh, I can't, I can't even believe that um, came out of my mouth. To be honest with you, <laughs> say that again. 
I can't even believe that came out of my mouth, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, Urban Meyer pretty much, though, is the only way to upgrade. So I definitely agree with you there on that part. Um, speaking of coaching and potential of getting fired, we had a big time, you know, coaching change catch us off guard today in the NFL. That would be Ron Rivera is out in Carolina. Um, what do you what do you think about this move, Austin? Were you shocked? Yeah, I was definitely shocked to hear the news today. Um, I wasn't necessarily surprised to hear it, but I was shocked with the timing. Um, you know, Riverboat Ron was able to bring Carolina to a Super Bowl. Um, and I think that uh, it's a little disrespectful to, you know, have a coach bring you that far, take you exactly where you want to go, and you don't even let him finish out the season. Um but there might be things that are going on internally within the Carolina Panthers organization that uh, that I don't know about. But at the end of the day, what's really going on in Carolina is this, is the fact that Carolina wants to get a head start. That's why they made this decision today. And to be honest with you, I don't know if there's any coaches on the market right now that are better than Ron Rivera. Um, but if any become available – you best believe that the Panthers will already have that vacancy there. And I think they can go ahead and start looking at uh, viable options. And you can kind of get the team now that you know that you're not going to be making it into the playoffs and kind of this mentality and this mode of, of transformation and that something new is going to be coming along. Yeah, you know, I also am going to agree with you once again on this one. I was shocked by the Panthers doing this. I know why the Panthers did it, though. I mean, they got the new ownership now. New ownership, there had been rumors that they wanted to clean house, and that's pretty much what this was, was them you know, saying it's time, let's go ahead and clean house. They went ahead and got rid of Rivera. You know, it looks like they're probably going to get a new quarterback. I mean, Kyle Allen, you know, he's more like a – he wasn't the fix. You know, he's like the Band-Aid, and I think the Band-Aid, you know, is kind of – they've taken a few showers with the Band-Aid on, and it looks like it's about to fall off. Um, they're going to get rid of Cam Newton. You know, it's it's time for a new look and a change in Carolina. You know, they got McCaffrey's a great little piece to build around. Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, great wide receivers, you know. So I think that's just kind of the point it's gotten to in Carolina, and that's why they moved on from Rivera. I honestly was absolutely shocked, though, that it happened like this. I mean, you wouldn't expect on a Tuesday a guy to get fired like that. You'd expect it to be more of a Monday thing, late Sunday night, you know, so you got time to plan ahead. You know, the Panthers, I mean, I'm sure there's shock all around the organization. Like you said, you know, he took this team to the Super Bowl. He's a great defensive coordinator. I think he'll absolutely, though, get another shot in this league at being a head coach. I think that he's, I mean, in my opinion, I think he's one of the better head coaches in the league. I really like him as a head coach. You know, there's a reason they call him Riverboat Ron. It's because he's always got some crazy game plan, you know. And I love the move. I mean, I, I don't like the move for Carolina, but at the same time as a, it's a Falcons fan, you know, I'm not necessarily mad to see him out of there. I think it makes the division a little better for us. And, you know, I, I think that whatever team ends up getting Rivera as their next head coach is going to do a great job and picked up a great one. Yeah, I mean, it's good for the Falcons if you're a Falcons fan because you're like, hey, I don't have to play a defensive mind coach every single year that knows my playbook inside and out. You know, it's going to be a good thing for a team like the Saints for the same reason. <coughs> Excuse me, but um, but I think that uh, the Panthers um, definitely are looking to look, definitely definitely looking to move forward, and uh, they decided to start sooner than later. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I guess I guess they were just ready. I mean, I 
I, I'm shocked by it, honestly. I mean, if you told me Ron Rivera would get fired before Dan Quinn would, I would have laughed in your face. So it's a good thing no one told me that. Um, anyway, let's stay here with the NFL. And we just saw the Ravens have another big win. They've had big win after big win. It feels like they've been dominating this league. No one's had any kind of answer for Lamar Jackson. Um, the Ravens also jumped the Patriots as the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Do you think they should be the Super Bowl favorites? And are they been, uh, and I mean, would you, t- if you could place a future on a team right now to win the Super Bowl, would you take them? Uh, should I, do I believe that the Ravens are, should be the Super Bowl favorites? Yes, because they have proved to the nation, to themselves, to the NFL, that no matter who they play, that they can compete with whoever they play. And uh, they've, pretty much dominated um and if they haven't dominated you know they've been extra competitive um what i will say is that i think there's been a lot of shocking and surprising things going around the league so far um and i still think that there's more shocking and surprising things um to happen so just because the ravens are the favorites right now doesn't mean that they're going to be favorites two or three weeks from now. So I would personally not take the Ravens as a Super Bowl favorite right now to uh, to win the Super Bowl. I think that it would be would be a poor bet. So I actually agree with you in both sense of this question. I mean, I just still don't think the Ravens are going to win it all. But do I think they deserve to be the Super Bowl favorite? I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's just been like next man up with them. I mean, we've seen hardly anyone be able to get them off the field. I mean, really, the 49ers were pretty much the first team that made them punt the last three games when Lamar Jackson was in the game. They pretty much slowed down that offense. It took a last second heroic field goal by Justin Tucker, a guy who it feels like it's just next field goal up for him the way he's been kicking them. Um I, I think this Ravens team, you know, they deserve absolutely to be the Super Bowl favorite. We're still yet to really see them get shut down besides that one game. I think that I feel like someone's going to have some prepared for them in the playoffs. Also, I'm not really that big of a believer when you're placing down a future bet like this where there's still this much time left in the season and you can have a big injury that can, you know, kind of hurt your season. I don't really see much value in throwing down on the favorite right now. You know, I'd rather wait until – the first round of the playoffs or the second, you know, sometime like that to throw down on them. So you can see what product they're going to have on the field, you know, in the playoffs, I feel like you're still probably going to get positive odds, you know, just cause I don't think they put yeah. themselves that much ahead of everyone, you know, right, right now, if I had to place a future on anyone, I would probably either go with like the 49ers or the Patriots, you know, I think that, or the Seahawks, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's funny that you say that I did. Um, I actually was thinking today about placing, a, pa- a Patriots Super Bowl bet is because now I doubt the Patriots and not even necessarily from a winning perspective, but if you're looking at this from, from a betting perspective, for those of you who gamble and that are listening, uh, the hedge value um, increases when you have somebody else like the Ravens and the AFC take, take, uh, take Super Bowl favorite odds. So if, if I take, and I think I think that the Patriots are like plus three fifty right now or something like that. I I have the ability to hedge that bet if they make it to the AFC Championship or something like that. Or hell, let's say they make it to the Super Bowl. I can throw down money the on the other team and I'm winning. I'm winning either way. So just something to think about at this point of the season. But you're right. At this point of the season, it, if you're seriously taking a future bet like that. Um, you better have some serious confidence because anything can happen, like an injury, like you said. 
Yeah, you know, that like last year, for example, right before the uh, conference championship, you know, I threw down on the Patriots because I think they were at like plus like 350 or something like that, which ended up cashing for me at a good time. But, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't see much value in that. You know, the Patriots, they still have to play the Kansas City. They still have to play the Bills. You know, both those, even though both those games are at home, I mean, they could easily lose one of the two of those, you know, so I just don't see much value either right now in, in throwing down on it. I would, if I anyone, if anything, if I were y'all, I'd wait until the playoffs start. I think the Patriots odds will stay about where they are, if not drop a little bit more to give you more favorable. But I still think that, you know, I, if you put a gun to my head right now, I'm picking the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. I don't think there's any way you can go against them. I mean, there's, like you said, you know, there's so many times in the season where we want to write them off say they can't do it, Brady's too old, they're too this, they're too that, you know, I feel like that at the end of the day, who's going to go into Foxborough and beat Belichick? You know, the Ravens might have home field right now, even if they still have home field, you know. But that'd be the second time they'd be playing them, too. And like we said on, on earlier podcasts, you know, when you when you play Bill Belichick two times and you lose the first time, he's going to know exactly what it takes to beat you the second time, you know? And so, like you said, it's going to be really hard to beat the Patriots. It doesn't matter where you play them. Bill Belichick is going to have a great scheme. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's hard in football in general to beat a team two times in a row. That's why there's some, you know, intriguing matchups this weekend in the conference championships for college football. But, um, that's that's pretty much um, all we've got scripted up for today's podcast. I mean, Austin, do you really do you have anything else you think we should uh, throw in there? Because I think I actually have a one more topic I want to throw out. You know, the the only thing that I really want to throw out there is for you know I've started taking started taking some of my bets earlier in the week for for a uh, for a line benefit so teams that I think that the lines will jump and move. And this past week, I took the Dolphins. I mean, I'm sorry. I took the Eagles against the Dolphins at minus 10. And we saw that the Dolphins won um, outright um, after being after the Eagles were laying 10. What do you think about these teams that, um, you know, are double-digit favorites losing outright? And what do you, do you think that's going to continue? Are we going to see this trend continue to happen, or do you think that this is something that we're going to see an end, an end of? Um, I think it is something that we'll continue to see happen in the NFL. You know, a lot of times when these teams, you know, are double-digit favorites, or, yeah, double-digit favorites, you know, they definitely think, like, oh, like, you know, we don't have to take this game as seriously. And especially when it's a team like the Eagles, you know, hasn't proven themselves. If it's a team like the Ravens, you know, or Patriots, I mean, I still feel a little bit better about them being a double-digit favorite because, you know, they've got better coaching. They've obviously proven themselves a little more. But, you know, when you have a team like the Eagles, you're real shaky. They're injury-ridden. Also, another thing to think about, you know, when you're in Miami and you're as fun as the Eagles say they are with Lane Johnson and all them, you know, saying they have so much fun. I mean, I'm sure for a fact they were out partying, having a good time. And I think that that also – you know, contributed to what happened as well. You know, the Dolphins, Brian Flores, he's not ready to give up on this team yet. You know, everyone said all season long, you know, this is a well-coached team. They're just, you know, lacking the talent, lacking the togetherness, you know, and they, we've seen the Dolphins get better. The Dolphins were started out the season as a historically bad team, and now they're 3-9 and nine and have pulled some huge upsets as a, as a uh, double-digit underdog. You know, I think that's things that we're always going to see, something like that, you know. Even the Patriots, I mean, even the Redskins, you know, this week winning at the Panthers. I mean, I'm sure that, that double did your favorites on Rivera getting fired. You know, I'm sure they looked at that and said, this team lost focus. This team, you know, didn't care as much about the game. And that comes back to the coach. And, you know, they were looking for the culture change and that has made it easier to make the decision. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I hate seeing trends like that because they're so hard to predict. But they shake things up, whether it be in the playoffs, whether it be in your parlays. And um, it definitely always gives us something to talk about and makes things interesting. Yeah, you know, that's another reason, too, why I'm very against laying double digits in the in the NFL, especially, you know, laying double digits always sketches me out. But especially in the NFL, you know, that's another reason why when you're a professional like that, and you're, you know, the skill level in the NFL, you know, the, the gap is like, for example, in the NFL, I think in the worst team, like if the Dolphins or who I guess the uh, worst team would be the Bengals, the Bengals played the Ravens, you know, I guess the spread on that game was like 14 points or 17 points or something like that. You know, the, 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 let's put it this way. The word, the biggest spread is going to be 21 points. That's the biggest, I think, I think the biggest we ever seen is like 22 or something like that. This season, yeah. if Ohio state had played UMass, that was the number one rated team in college football versus the versus the bottom ranked team in uh, college football. The spread would have been 77 points. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And you know, I honestly would probably lay that with Ohio state too. Against yeah. Seriously. They're bad, bad, yeah. So. <laughs> let's put it this way no umass lost rutgers was minus 18 against umass and covered easily after going down 14 yeah. 0 rutgers is that probably one of the worst one of the worst teams in college football as well so that really says something mm-hmm. that's exactly what i'm saying so you know the the gap in talent isn't as big and you know when you're that big of an underdog eventually you're going to come out pissed off and ready to fire in the nfl so mm-hmm. like that's the way it always goes but no, Austin, I appreciate you coming on the podcast once again. I feel like we had a great show today, and we we uh, definitely turned things around quick. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you always having me, and I'm really looking forward to this rivalry week we got coming up. It's going to be uh, interesting, and hopefully things don't shake up too much. And uh, if you're listening from Athens or California or China, just know, go dogs. Yeah, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. I'm actually going to be rooting for the dogs this weekend. I want to see them get in the playoff. I want to see the best four teams. I want to see the, you know, the most fun product we can see out there on the field. So I think that that's what we're going to get if Georgia is able to slip in there. Do I think it's going to happen? Well, y'all, y'all will definitely hear my opinion if I think it's going to happen or not. But it's definitely what I want to <laughs> see happen. So good luck to your dogs this weekend, Austin, and we'll see you again soon. Yeah, that was a lot better the, 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 the that last time. <laughs>